Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Time to talk another fascinating team. Interesting that we've saved all the good East teams until the end, but they all had some real question marks. That's a big part of why I wanted to save some of these so we had some preseason games under our belt. And uh, no team more prominent uh, among those with uh, that I wanted to see in the preseason than the Toronto Raptors. And joining us now, the Athletics, Blake Murphy. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, great. Uh, glad to be back, uh, getting locked in uh, for the season and uh really excited to talk about this raptors team and obviously the place to start there is Kawhi leonard so just individually how has he looked so far this preseason i've been pretty impressed with, with how he's looked out there obviously there's some rust uh he said he hadn't played five on five since january and while he's been keeping up with his workouts clearly um you know there's only so much you can do to simulate game action so i thought uh you know, he played in the team's first two preseason games uh the aggression was still there the embracing of the physicality uh especially on the offensive end, was still there. A couple times he got fouled pretty hard and bounced right back and kept attacking. So uh, there's some rust to work out. You know, the the jumper hasn't fallen at his normal clip. Uh, His free throw shooting's been off. He hasn't been super locked in defensively. But in terms of attacking and being engaged in the offense and the kind of things you want to see from him from a comfort perspective, uh, all of that's been been there so far. And it seems like, uh, you know, it's it's been a while since he's played now because the Raptors have had this long gap and he sat one game but it, it did seem like the uh the offensive chemistry was starting to come along with him and kyle lowry a little bit as well yeah and i think a couple things that haven't looked great so far the three ball he's only one out of six but you know mm-hmm. his misses have not looked great to me he doesn't look like he's getting a, a ton of lift i think he's kind of been short he's been off left and right with those but you know it's six shots i'm not gonna panic about it and i think he's had a couple of times where he's gotten to the rim where you might have thought oh he could have dunked that and instead he, he went in for a layup but he has gotten to the foul line plenty uh i mean he's basically Basically just played like two first halves essentially right. right so and he's got 19 free throw attempts in that time still looks strong only 10 out of 19 from the foul line but that's not nothing to worry about there I, I assume either um but his game offensively isn't really as susceptible to this kind of oh how does he look athletically analysis because despite his reputation he's a guy he's not like an elite leaper you know he's got the great length he's got great strength he's more about patiently working to his spots rising up with that fantastic touch in the mid-range and so you know i think he he hasn't looked bad to me i mean that's that's at least uh a bonus you know i I, but i'm not sure that i have the ability to compare him to how he looked in san antonio based on those first two preseason games and say all right he looks better he looks worse but he didn't actively look worse so that's at least a good sign yeah exactly and you mentioned the strength and the strength is really you know i've watched a lot of Kawhi leonard but you kind of forget that 
he can really just kind of put his shoulder down and bully guys to the rim. And you mentioned the free throw volume. Uh, the, the mid-range volume has actually been interesting too, because uh, the Raptors, obviously a big storyline last year was the kind of modernization of their offense, where more of the reins were handed to Nick Nurse, who's now the head coach. Uh, through the first two games, they had only taken about 10% of their field goal attempts as non-paint twos, which would be even fewer than they did last year. And the bulk of those were Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I dug into um, you know Ben Falk's great stats of cleaning the glass. And Kawhi Leonard is one of the few guys who you know shoots not quite as much from the mid-range as DeMar DeRozan, but a comparable uh, rate of his shots and, and hits at an even better clip. So uh, it was kind of interesting that, especially early on in the first game, a couple of Leonard's early shots were very DeRozan shots. And in that sense, it almost it almost seemed like he fit in pretty seamlessly. Yeah, I think it, you know he does have that kind of same patient game as DeRozan. But to me, I think he's more capable of creating good mid-range looks mm-hmm. up against the best defenders than DeRozan due to that superior size, strength, and length. And then I think you know he's got even better touch, and also the fact that he can shoot the three ball off the ball. You know, which DeRozan famously began to embrace to some degree last year. But you know, Kawhi is a very accomplished three-point shooter in an off-ball role, which is kind of how he started his career in San Antonio. So I think it's the one thing i'd say is not as good as derozan at is passing uh yeah. you know and derozan made a lot of strides as a pick and roll player and derozan probably can put a little more pressure on the rim although neither of those guys are really burners who are going to blow by their man necessarily but i still like Kawhi as an iso score uh against the best defenders maybe late in games as well uh in a way that i don't think derozan was quite capable of doing against the top echelon guys um defensively uh, how's he looked uh he hasn't you know it's been tougher to get a feel for him defensively uh one because the raptors first game i don't know if there was some miss i wasn't in vancouver for it uh i don't know if there was some miscommunication or what but it looked like uh with the starters in the first half that the edict was to switch a lot of things against portland which would make sense in theory but nick nurse said afterward that that was not the plan uh and so uh the guys were kind of especially you know with Kawhi and danny green and cj miles two three four uh, they were switching a lot of stuff and that was leading to some problems uh, probably just because they don't have the communication down yet um but also he just you know he, i don't think he's really turned it up on that end yet you've seen a couple possessions where he's gotten his hand on balls that he has no business getting his hand on and you can kind of see when his man even just makes the catch the the amount that leonard just naturally encroaches on a ball handler's space uh, but i don't think he's been super locked in yet and I, I don't think you know beyond those couple of things that that Kawhi leonard could do in his sleep in terms of using his size and just being a, a presence you know i don't think he's really geared up on that end of the floor uh quite yet and it's i'm very much looking forward to uh wednesday's game in, in montreal against brooklyn because that's the one the raptors are kind of touting as their their dress rehearsal and i'd imagine nick nurse uh who who only estimated the raptors had about 40 percent of their defense set in uh, for the first two preseason games is going to want to see a little bit more of what their in-game regular season defense will look like and you know we might get a better impression then uh, of how leonard looks on that end in terms of lateral quickness and using that physicality on that end of the floor and just his overall engagement so the other big addition that they had i know nurse was part of the staff obviously but he's now the head coach and there's talk about how they're taking even fewer of their shots from the mid-range but anything else that you can glean about uh what he believes in it 
as a coach and some early takeaways uh, from just the zeitgeist around the Nick Nurse era? Yeah, I, I like everything I'm hearing so far. And when I talked to him in the summer pre-Kawhi Leonard acquisition, there was a lot of talk of experimentation. And a lot of that was born of the mentality that the Raptors know, you know, they could win the way they were with, with Casey and Lowry and DeRozan. They could win 50 games in their sleep playing the way they play. And they were fairly certain that that didn't work super well in the playoffs where, you know, multiple years in a row, we'd then seen them scrambling to find new ways to try to win in the playoffs. Nurse's approach was going to be the Raptors are going to try a bunch of different things to see how else they can be good and, and how else they might be able to be flexible come the postseason. Uh, what the what the Kawhi Leonard DeMar DeRozan trade did was kind of expedite that philosophy from a personnel perspective where you add in Leonard, who is, you know, the most multifaceted, one of the most multifaceted two-way players in the league. Danny Green, who uh, when he's on is a nice three and D piece. Hopefully he's, he's recovered from the groin tear he played through most of last year uh and out goes you know your your kind of stylistic bottleneck and your toughest one-way piece uh, on the on the defensive end come playoff time and DeRozan um again we don't need to dive into the DeRozan stuff he was very good for the franchise he's you know an awesome dude but the defensive limitations were uh stark come playoff time so um I think there's still going to be a lot of experimentation uh Nick, he's talked a lot about not using the same starting lineup for 82 games so they see how they look with Ibaka starting at center or Valanciunas starting as the lone big uh, or if they can do that pairing a little better um, so I think you'll see a lot of that he's talked a lot about um, you know wanting to try things for like extended looks as well so if a lineup rolls out there and it's it does poorly in four minutes well you know that might not be a, a big enough sample for him to decide to throw that out so I think instead of seeing like last year where the Raptors had one of the highest uh, usage starting lineups and one of the highest usage bench units uh, you're going to see a lot less time for full five-man units and more experimentation more plug and play um, related to that, what it's looked like so far is that you'll remember last year the the bench mob as they they were called and the starters played pretty different stylistically. Uh, they want to yeah. get away from that and, and they want to be able to you know if Kyle Lowry misses a game, Fred VanVleet or Delon Wright steps into that role. If they're starting, you know, if they want to see Pascal Siakam instead of OG Ananobi starting at the four, they can make those changes. Greg Monroe, Jonas Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka could all play the backup center minutes with the with the bench mob and what was formerly Jakob Pertle's role. So um, I think they want to be, you know, more uniform in their style of play, and that'll let them get a lot more experimental and, and versatile in terms of uh, lineup deployment. Yeah, Nurse, I mean, he coached entire seasons in the G League that were just like his entire goal was to experiment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, he told... In that Houston organization. Yeah, he told a story on uh, the, the day of his press conference when he kind of scrummed up after that. At one point, there was kind of just an edict like, hey, you're going to shoot the gap defending this action for like 500 possessions because we want to see what it looks like over a long sample um so i think he is going to bring some of that mentality and some of that'll be with lineups some of that might be with defense um, the raptors have been using uh, a fair amount of zone in the preseason i know a lot of teams experiment with that kind of stuff but i think you'll see tweaks like that where they won't be as dogmatic about um you know what they're doing defensively they'll probably still have the center drop back at least when it's Jonas Valanciunas or Greg Monroe in the pick and roll but they won't be as staunch and rigid about it uh, and then offensively you know he it sounds like he wants to have more improvisation and he wants to give a little bit more freedom uh to some of the more natural creators that they have in there uh and the preseason so far is indicative of that because you know they've run their their base sets and they have a lot of continuity offense that that, that they introduced 
produced last year and, and a little bit the year before. Um, and he's kind of just, you know, he's talked a lot about letting Lowry make the play calls or letting Leonard create or Pascal Siakam with the second unit, just letting him run and see what he sees. Uh, and maybe that gets reined in later, but I think it's going to be a lot more, uh, a little more free on that end of the floor too. I will have much more about this upcoming Raptors season with Blake Murphy right after this. So this honeymoon was a trip of a lifetime, went for almost a month, stayed in just some fabulous, fabulous hotels, really went all out. But I can report that I still did not sleep nearly as well without my Helix sleep bed and Helix sleep pillow because they are customized to me. If you go to that site, helixsleep.com slash capspace, where you can claim up to $125 off all mattress orders. Fill out their two to three minute sleep quiz and they use the answers to match your body type and your sleep preferences. You're a side sleeper, stomach sleeper, back sleeper. Do you sleep too hot? Do you sleep too cold? And give you the perfect mattress. They can even split the mattress down the middle for the individual preferences of a couple. And you don't have to fully take my word for it because they have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk free. And I really love their pillow too. It's uh, adjustable for me as a back sleeper. I can never quite find like that right angle for my head where I'm comfortable, but my head isn't too far back that I'm snoring. And so my wife is always happy when we get home and I'm on that Helix Sleep pillow. Once again, the way to get started with them, helixsleep.com slash capspace is the URL to get up to $125 off your mattress order. Once again, helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember that slash capspace URL. And make sure you include that so they know that you came from us. What about uh, Danny Green? You mentioned him briefly. Uh, haven't had a chance to really lock in on his performance yet uh, personally, but it, you think he's looking okay? Is, is he uh, at least healthy after the groin tear from what you can tell? Yeah, he says he's healthy. Um, you know, defensively, it hasn't been there yet. But, you know, this is a an experienced vet who probably knows his body well enough to to yeah. kind of get there and ease into it um he didn't shoot the but ball when you say good. it hasn't when you say it hasn't been there what can you elaborate on that yeah he just hasn't he hasn't looked good on that end i mentioned kind of the over-reliance on switching in the uh in the first preseason game there he got just straight up beat on the perimeter a couple times in their second preseason game um you know i'm sure that'll come along right now he looks maybe a touch slow i'm not sure if that's a conditioning thing or uh just getting the comfort yeah. back with the groin um but and, and then offensively in the game his three ball hasn't dropped a ton uh, they had an open scrimmage the other day I was out of town for it but apparently every three he took was falling so um, I don't really worry about him being anything less than an average three-point shooter um, but I guess if the defense didn't come back and it's hard it's a little hard to project because you know he's been so good defensively but he's also in his early 30s and he's coming off this groin tear um, there's at least a chance that he doesn't get back to that level yeah. uh, defensively and, and with the the depth that the Raptors have both at the guard position and across the wing um, um, that'll be, you know, an interesting thing to watch. I, th- I think his role is fairly secure to start the season, but there is so much depth there that if his defense does slide, that that opens up some questions. Yeah, and Green it, it re- was really on the defensive end, I thought, uh, where he took a big step back last year. Again, that could have been health-related, uh, but he is someone who's suffered through a lot of nagging injuries over the last few years. And you know, mm-hmm. Toronto is a good medical staff as to the, the Spurs in theory. But uh, yeah, I mean, but the good news for these guys is, 
they have a ton of other options so uh, who are looking like the starters uh, at this point to the extent you can even tell with the amount of experimentation yeah it's it's hard so i originally thought that the most common starting lineup this year understanding that they're going to tweak it would probably be lowry green leonard ananobi and balance shooters to me you know abaka makes a little bit more sense off the bench in a lot of matchups um allowing for the fact that they were going to start him there sometimes and the raptors depth kind of just plays a little better that way uh the complicating factors here being that uh ananobi has missed all of training camp so far he just returned to the team yesterday after after a personal matter uh, kept him out for the bulk of it so we haven't seen what that looks like um you know cj miles has started the preseason games i really don't think that's that's going to happen when the season gets going uh the way it looks right now abaka has started more often than valanciunas at the five two so i think i do think more often than not they will start small ish and, and by small i don't necessarily mean uh with a small center but kind of four around a center um whether yeah. that's leonard ananobi at the three four maybe siakam in some looks and then abaka and valanciunas kind of bouncing back and forth uh in that center role i don't think we've seen the last of abaka valanciunas as a duo but it'll probably be minimized from here um you know nurse has talked about having six starters those being lowry green leonard ananobi abaka and valanciunas and wanting to mix those up i i think probably siakam is even in that conversation too as long as you know some of the offensive stuff people are excited about comes along a little bit yeah, and and they still have a ton of other options to you. You uh, Siakam certainly, you know, as as a four, maybe even a five. Norm Powell still probably capable. He, he had a nice game the other day before uh, having to leave with a, a minor injury. Uh, you know, but he's capable of stepping in. And then they also have in the backcourt uh, Wright and Van Vliet. Uh, both of those guys have successfully played at the two. Van Vliet was in the closing lineup a lot of time. And while you might say, well, a lot of what they can do is switch with this team and that's a, the big appeal uh van vliet is a little bit better at that so depending on the matchup you might be able to get away with him and he gets maybe one more shooter uh, on the floor so they've got a lot of ability to mix and match you know if the other team has big wings maybe you leave green and leonard and and Obi all out there at the same time and maybe you even go siakam at the five and then lowry is still a, a bulldog in the post if you, you need to switch there um and if we talk about a closing lineup for this team Lowry and Leonard you would think are certain to be out there but I'm not certain that anyone else is necessarily yeah I'm with you and you just you know you kind of made the case for Van Vliet and, and Wright and I was gonna you know I was gonna make that point as well that even I don't necessarily see an either of them starting just because you want those dual ball handlers in the second unit where there's a little less playmaking um even if Siakam you know comes along uh you I think you'd still like those two guys playing off each other but closing lineup wise uh you know the Raptors have always played a lot of two-point guard ball and Van Vliet you mentioned Lowry being a, a bulldog you know Van Vliet has done well um, chasing two guards who are who are off ball specialists um, him and Lowry can kind of change you know be uh, a little versatile between the two guard spots and then DeLon Wright we even saw him guard some true wings last year at times so those guys are right in the mix as well depending on the playmaking need uh, but yeah I'm with you I don't think I think you know we mentioned the six potential starters you could throw Siakam uh, Van Vliet and, and Wright in there as well and, and I don't 
really think you can go wrong with a fiveson there. Um, you mentioned Siakam at center. It doesn't sound like we're going to see a lot of that early. Uh, they haven't really practiced a lot like that yet from what it sounds like, but that's obviously interesting. Um, against some bigger teams, you know, you look ahead to maybe playoff matchups against certain Boston lineups or certain Philadelphia lineups. I'm kind of intrigued by Leonard, Ananobi, and Siakam, not just as a 3-4-5, but as a 2-3-4 maybe um, hmm. on defensive-oriented possessions, just where you have that switchability, but you still have all that positional size. Um, you know, that, obvi- that obviously yeah. depends on Siakam's three-point shot coming along a little bit. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of fun options here. And I don't think I don't think you've seen the last of Valanciunas getting occasional closing games too, especially where you can swing sure. the rebounding battle a little bit. Well, and with the amount of shooting that they project to have now, I think he can really kill people offensively. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, as a role man, you know, I, I've never really cared for him as a deep post-up guy. I think he he just doesn't quite get good. Or, or I'm sorry, not as a, a as a straight post-up guy, I should say, because he doesn't really get the greatest position. It seems like they always turn it over trying to get it into. I mean, there are plenty of people who have always been calling for him to get more post-ups late in games but it, it just seems like they can never get him the ball and then you know I, I don't think he's the greatest passer there either but as a pick and roll guy offensive rebounding as well if teams are going to try to go small to contain them uh you know you could see maybe especially if the other team doesn't have a real crucial pick and roll threat uh who can pull up in the mid-range or pull up from three and there's not a ton of those in the eastern conference um then you know do i want him defending Kyrie irving in the pick and roll late in games <laughs> no but you know against like a philly i, I think it, he maybe does make more sense yeah for sure and, and you know you mentioned his post-up game and, and his post-up scoring actually came back up last year he had had two kind of down years um and his volume w- was very low but he was in the 92nd percentile for post scoring uh on a per possession basis and, and he's improved you know he's taken small strides as a playmaker and, and interestingly i was having a conversation with greg monroe today at practice uh, about how the one thing you know i, I was asking monroe basically uh, uh, whether nick nurse has kind of taken some monroe things and introduced him to the offense like maybe a couple of corner offense sets um where, where monroe is facilitating a little bit more than the raptors centers traditionally have um, and he was saying no but they have you know messed around with some post up designed to get um you know to pass from the post and, and they've in the first couple games you've seen a, a couple of instances of split cuts over top of a post up which seems really simple but it's not something the raptors have done uh, very frequently the last few years and i think that's contributed to valanciunas's uh turnover problems on post ups because he is very you know he uses the left block more than three quarters of the time every season and if a guy can dig down from the top you know you mentioned he's not a great passer out of there uh, but if they have a little bit more going around going on around that uh, and Valanciunas takes a, a little bit of a stride as a passer uh, to your point I think that makes him even more playable in more matchups because you can get him involved uh, in more ways offensively to kind of tilt uh, any size uh, advantage you have there and keep him around the rim yeah somewhat apropos of this uh, Liam pulled this stat that last year obviously with the DeRozan in most of these lineups you you would think uh with no traditional center on the floor so no Valanciunas no Jakob Pertl no Bebe 12.2 net rating and defensive rating 97.8 so best in the league style of defense um you know so that's probably you've got Ibaka or Siakam at center in those lineups uh and you know if you've got Kawhi you've got Danny Green I mean I really expect this team to defend incredibly well but uh, before we get there uh if you had to just pick what you think the best closing lineup is for this team what would you pick yeah i'd probably you know in a in a vacuum assuming relatively average uh opponents i think right now it's probably lowry van vliet leonard ananobi and valanchunas uh the valanchunas abaco would obviously be kind of a coin 
flip depending on who the alternate center is. Um, but I've always liked the way the, the Lowry Van Bleet um, duo looks and, and then that switchability over the wing. I, I think they would probably lean toward a, a third wing there instead of a second guard. Um, but I like the amount of shooting and playmaking you have on the floor there and kind of that you give up a little bit of size, but not so much the defensive toughness on the perimeter. Um, assuming, you know, Lowry's defensive individual perimeter defensive metrics weren't great last year. So that uh, that assumes those are going to come up uh, a little bit. Uh, I don't know why I'm assuming that when a guy's 32, but, you know, it, that was a down year for him defensively. So I, I that's probably what I'd pencil in right now. But kind of as we talked, you can go a lot of different ways with that. Yeah, certainly uh, longtime listeners who know my proclivities for wanting to go smaller switch would say, hey, Siakam at center could be interesting. You could even maybe even think about Anunoby at center uh, with the amazing wing depth that they have uh, on this team. Um, you know, that would be my inclination. But, you know, I, I think you, they really are going to have to experiment throughout the year, you know, and we'll see, you know, is Danny Green the green that he was for most of his career in San Antonio or is he in another place now where he's really more of a backup type of player and he can't keep up with the, the quickest guys defensively? You know, CJ Miles, I think, you know, is clearly their best shooter. He's got a lot of gravity. Uh, but, you know, if you're going against Giannis or LeBron James, I mean, we've yeah. seen how he's just gotten completely <laughs> trucked anytime they just do a small, small pick and roll to get him onto someone like that. So, you know, he can't play at the end of games uh, against uh, guys of that ilk uh, as well. Uh, you know, Siakam, how far along does his defensive game, or I'm sorry, his offensive game come? I mean, I think he really still, unless he can shoot a little bit better, is probably best cast as a center uh, offensively. Um, so that's that's part of why I like him there, because to get him on the floor as a power forward, then you're probably going to be suffering from a shooting standpoint. And then, you know, how does Ibaka look as well? You know, I mean, he's, he's one guy I really wanted to talk to you about, because he got that three-year $65 million contract, uh, which didn't look like a great value <laughs> last season. You know, there's it's always swirled that whether it's because of Miles or because he's older than advertised. You know, I mean, I think this is his age 28 year, but he certainly has been on a much more severe aging curve than that number would indicate. So where do what are you expecting to see out of him this year? I think he's a, a key figure because, you know, he's making a lot of money in theory is is going to play uh, and he's a, a proud guy. So what do you think of, of his uh, outlook this season? Yeah, he's an interesting, almost philosophical um, exercise because if you can get past the sunk cost of his contract because I don't think that's movable it's a negative asset value at this point if you can get past that he's still a useful player he wasn't you know, he wasn't terrible last year he didn't have a very good playoffs but over the course of the whole season he was serviceable uh, the issues were obviously he's overpaid and he's under since he was acquired he's kind of been treated like the third star instead of the you know best of the the role players and by that I don't mean you know he doesn't get star treatment in the media or anything like that but you know he was relatively assured of a closing spot in most close games um, his starting spot was rarely in question even as his performance waned um, so I, I think a shift away from that could do him well whether that means coming off the bench a little bit more or just playing in different roles uh, I think playing more center which it absolutely looks like he's gonna do is really gonna suit him I don't you know I think at this point keeping him to closer to the rim is probably preferable to him chasing guys around um, I think the days of him being a three position defender are gone that's that's probably one and a half to two at this point uh and the nice thing in the preseason so far has been that uh he's rebounded really well playing at that center spot and that's been a concern in the past because he's not yeah. an elite rebounder um and that would be my concern with you know i i love the idea of siakam at center and your ananobi at center lineup has me drooling um both of those guys would obviously have to get better uh as rebounders to 
to, to do that for more than a show me look. Uh, but Ibaka, I mean, it should it should agree with him playing center more often. And when he's at center, you know, you can do a lot of stuff on the wing and you can have a Siakam out there at the four because Ibaka is providing that spacing from the five um, that you'd normally get from the four. And he is still a good pick and pop threat. He has that, you know, 17 footer that that's, you know, he was one of the best mid range shooters on high volume in the entire NBA last year. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not optimistic that Serge Ibaka bounces back to Oklahoma City levels of Serge Ibaka, but I am optimistic that used a little smarter, Ibaka can kind of reestablish himself as a very useful, you know, role player within this team concept outside of the fact that, you know, he's overpaid and he's going to remain overpaid this year and next. Yeah, I think the weaknesses that he has, you know, one is a declining level of lateral quickness, you mm-hmm. know, going back to where he was maybe three or four years ago, and especially the demands on switching defenders are even higher than they were back in those days in Oklahoma City. And then the decision making offensively, which, you know, two years ago, and then I think even last year, there's hope that during the season, they had empowered him a little bit more and they wanted him to put the ball on the floor. And then I thought in the Cleveland series, it was just as bad as it always was either, you know, shooting the ball the moment it hits his hands or <laughs> just kind of catching the ball, having a ton of space in front of him, but not realizing it and then traveling or, you know, throwing a pass to someone who wasn't open instead of taking the advantage. Um, you know, so we'll see if they can just make him, if they have enough offensive threats where they can just have him go stand on the wing or the corner and shoot threes. Uh, you know, I think I, I like his role better in the playoffs and at the end of games. And then I think, you know, as a, it's been a very long time since he's had the chance to just operate as a traditional rim protector in maybe a more conventional pick and roll defense style. Uh, so maybe he can be more effective that way. I'm just, I do think of him as a little bit of a weak link at the end of games. I think as a starting center, it's okay. You want to go with a more traditional look, space the floor, but I, I think he does have some weaknesses that can be exploited uh, late or in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I had Valanciunas in my theoretical average closing lineup. Um, you know, hopefully, I, I think the team would hope that Siakam can play some of those uh, as well, to your point, uh, maybe a little later in the year. But yeah, Ibaka, and, and what, what you said about him being, you know, a capable starter, but maybe not uh, a fit to close games all the time, kind of goes back to what I said about just using him smarter and not treating him like that third guy who is um, assured of those closing minutes or a starting job for 82 games or a certain number of green lights every time the, the ball touches his hand at the elbow. Um, but so, you know, obviously that's going to be one of Nick Nurse's first challenges and that's going to be not just an Ibaka thing. They've got 12 guys who are used to playing, you know, significant-ish minutes in a rotation and, and there's not enough room for all of that right now. So whether it's Ibaka and managing his closing role or if Valanciunas comes off the bench or if Greg Monroe was out of the rotation at some points, I think that that's one of the biggest challenges. Um, you know, I don't have very many doubts about Nick Nurse, the basketball man. Uh, what we've never seen from him, and, and it's not fair to assume he can't do it or safe to assume he can, is manage that, you know, the egos and the the personalities over 82 games when guys are, are in and out of roles that they're, you know, they've been accustomed to. Yeah, and you throw in the impending free agency of Kawhi Leonard, the fact that he is just overall kind of a quiet guy uh, and that Dwayne Casey so excelled uh, with managing the personalities that might have been his greatest strength as a coach you know what he was able to get about out of Kyle Lowry DeRozan you know I mean those those guys especially Lowry not the easiest in the world to deal with Um, is there still anything being made of this whole Lowry like you know wasn't in touch with the front office after DeRozan got traded is that in the rearview mirror now are people still concerned about that you know him kind of 
like I thought, embracing I thought it was a little new... overstated in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, the impression that I got heading into the offseason was that Lowry was aware that changes needed to happen and changes were coming. And, and he's a smart enough and competitive enough person from the basketball side to absolutely understand the situation. Um, I think part of it, you know, I think I think this all goes a lot differently or is perceived a lot differently if that USA basketball stuff doesn't happen. And, you know, that wasn't really the fault of Lowry for, necessarily. For those who don't remember, uh, just uh, what, what USA basketball stuff are, are you referring right. to? Right. Okay. So shortly after the trade, um, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan were both at USA basketball camp in Las Vegas. Um, Lowry was doing media availability, basically said, no, uh, I will not uh, talk about the trade, largely because his best friend is standing right over there. And he can't really, you know, Lowry's in a tough spot then where he can't really say he's against the trade because that'll cause trouble with Kawhi Leonard right out of the gate uh, but he also can't really celebrate the trade or say anything positive about it because from a friend perspective the wounds are still fresh for DeRozan and DeRozan obviously felt like um, he was not treated the in the most respectful way as all that was going down um, so Lowry said he wasn't going to talk about it and then he just got asked about it a bunch of times and gave non-answers um, which gave the impression without the proper context that he was unhappy about it um, which you know he if if DeRozan wasn't tr- handled the the best maybe Lowry was a little unhappy with it uh, but from a basketball perspective i think you know lowry's discontent with this has been overstated or, or we're kind of looking at tea leaves that aren't really there um, he's a smart and hyper competitive dude there's no way he doesn't know that this is good for him and good for the team yeah well i, I mean i guess we'll see whether it is if you know Kawhi stays healthy and you know i mean obviously i was in favor of the trade but you yeah. know, if he gets hurt and then leaves you know maybe it wouldn't have been but uh, sure yeah certainly changes needed to be made i think that's uh, although i mean it's so funny that like every Every year would be oh we had this great regular season and then you know they would uh, end up uh again just with the playoff disappointment but there was always they always felt like they were taking steps forward every year in the regular season until they would just get trucked by lebron <laughs> um so uh, what about uh, on the floor for lowry you know this is going to be age 32 for him uh, as you mentioned has aged i think pretty darn well you know certainly in, yeah. in the on-off metrics you know hasn't taken much of a step back you mentioned the defense isn't what it was which that's always going to be the case uh, uh, they have plenty of good backups for him, though, so they can protect him in terms of minutes. He only played 32 minutes a game last year. But it, can he maintain this level of performance uh, again this year? Are you expecting a step back? Because that's uh, potentially a weakness for this team is the second star, even if they get uh, what they can out, out of Kawhi. You know, is Lowry still capable of being that number two option? Yeah, I think he is. I don't think we've, you know, I don't think there's enough evidence yet beyond the general point guard aging curves that uh, Lowry has taken a step back. You know, you look at whatever, whatever impact that you prefer on off player impact plus minus whatever um lowry was still very much kyle lowry last year a slow start to the year and, and by his own admission it took him some time to get used to the ball being in his hand less uh, i think that's actually going to come back the other way a little bit this year the reason the ball was in his hand less last year was because with the move to a more nick nurse run offense um derozan not being a spacing threat kind of hampered things a little bit so if you put the ball in derozan's hand more lowry who is an elite shooter is then off the ball more um so i think he'll pair better with Kawhi Leonard you know I think he's going to have the ball a little bit more to operate in the pick and roll um, to start possessions where he's the best creator on the team for others and then you know when Leonard goes to work Lowry's still going to have those those off ball opportunities I think Nurse too is probably going to empower him to pull up off the dribble even more Uh, John Schumann had a stat this summer that uh, of guys over the last three years with I think 300 pull up uh, attempts or more Lowry Lowry has the best percentage in basketball over that time Um, so Nurse has talked about I think his term was putting the ball in in 
his belly more often um, and getting him to, to kind of run the first unit offense. So I think offensively, it's going to be fine. There's just there's just a lot of shooting and talent between him and Leonard um, and, and, you know, the, the kind of chemistry that should be there and symbiosis with two guys who can play off the ball as much as they can play on it um, should really help. Defensively is where my concern lies more because as much as Lowry is still a bulldog and draws a ton of charges and rebounds very well for a diminutive guard, um, he did his perimeter defense man-to-man slid last year. And, uh, you know, that's that's probably the, the biggest concern about the defense, at, at least in certain lineup iterations where there's not a ton of rim protection. You know, Ibaka is the only guy who figures to play big minutes at center that, that protects the rim in a traditional uh, sense. Valanciunas and Monroe don't do that quite as much. Uh, so if that, you know, if he's getting beat a lot on the perimeter, that's probably a bigger concern to me that, than what his offense will look like. Yeah, and I think he's probably better as a switch guy now uh, where you know, it always surprised me when late in games, if the Raptors were switching, teams would always try to post up Cal Lowry instead of DeRozan I'm like no you got it wrong post up post up DeMar DeRozan he is not gonna try uh and you'll be able to go right through him like I mean I remember two years ago like the Warriors tried to like ISO KD in the post on Lowry and Lowry actually like stopped him pretty good and so I I mean obviously he's six feet tall he's not gonna just be a stopper down there but you know I mean he can fight pretty hard and we've seen other teams be able to get away with switching systems like the Warriors when you have Steph Curry I think you know Lowry's probably better on switches uh than curry is but yeah if, if he's not able to get over screens at the point of attack that's a little bit of an issue but i think now with with DeRozan there he had to guard the best guy on the other right. team there really wasn't an option but now with Kawhi, danny green even uh Ananubi, you can hide lowry on a relative non-threat so if you're playing a more conventional style he's got a lot less pressure on him this year than in past years yeah for sure and i think you know i don't i don't want to be negative about DeRozan, but when you remove move a guy like that who was who had to be game planned as much with on the defensive end that does open up a lot for a guy like Lowry or you know even with your lineup combinations like last year against Cleveland the Raptors had DeRozan Miles and Valanciunas on the floor together at some points and it was just like like I got it you only had eight or nine guys that you trusted in the rotation at that point but that's a lot of it's a lot of issues on the floor at once and if you take one of those away and your team is more flush with not only versatile defenders but just guys who can do some things at both ends of the floor so that you're not you know this team doesn't have really anyone you figure to be able to give the Tony Allen treatment to and then defensively there's no one no one that figures to close anyway that you can just really attack like that Um, so I think that'll help and and yeah it's specifically with Lowry um, whether he's out there with Green or Van Vliet or if they're super big and Leonard's there he can kind of take the you know you you almost like you said dare someone to take him into the post put him on a bigger guy stationed in the corner where he can kind of do his ball hawk things where he's poking balls free or he slides over in help to try to draw those charges. Um, or maybe you bait an opponent into slowing things down and clearing out for a post-up. Um, yeah, I think there, there are more options if he does decline in terms of how to how to hide him and how to manage that. He could also just be better, but you know, a 32-year-old point guard who's taken a beating the last couple of years, I'm not sure I want to bet on his individual defense just taking a step up. But within the team concept, for sure, you can you can work around that a lot better now, I think. Yeah, I mean, really, the... the- the shooting has not declined at all. No. It's just the, the usage, the ability to get to the basket and finish. He actually used to be a great finisher for his size. That's really no longer the case now. Getting to the foul line, he took a step back there also. Uh, I think he he's kind of hurt a little bit by some of the rules changes. He was one of the best at like drawing those bullshit fouls on the perimeter, which he still gets some of, but you know that, that's been a little bit of an emphasis to reduce those 
type of calls. Um, going a little out of order here, but uh, what do you see as kind of the key questions that, you know, we've hit on a few, obviously, Kawhi's health and and Danny Green, but anything else that you're looking at as kind of the big variables for this team this year? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Leonard stuff is going to hang over everything. And I think the question of how they can manage around that and, and block out that noise is a big question. Um, I think I think more bigger picture, it's, it's going to be maybe a little tough to figure out just how much these young guys can grow because everyone's role is kind of going to be the same. So you look and like Pascal Siakam probably has the widest range of positive outcomes of any of the young guys this year. Uh, but if he's operating in the same role, you know, at what point do you kind of pull the trigger on expanding that? Or if, if Ananobi looks better, at what point do you pull the trigger on expanding that? And it kind of goes back to my point earlier about how Nurse is going to manage 12 guys who want, you know, top nine minutes and top nine role. Um, there, there are just kind of a lot of like soft questions like that about how everything's going to fit once things start to matter and, and once adversity strikes because there are you know everything looks good on paper and everything feels good in training camp but once they hit a losing streak or once there's a report about Kawhi wanting out or you know once Norman Powell or Greg Monroe goes a week and a half without playing that's when these kind of questions come up after you've had such a tumultuous offseason with so much change um, on the court there are probably fewer concerns because again on paper they look quite good they should have a lot of shooting and push for you know top five in the league and three pointers made probably uh, they should push for a top five defense maybe uh rebounding is is a bit of a concern because they do figure to play with Serge Ibaka at the five maybe even Pascal Siakam at the five some and they don't have you know the wings that they do have aren't the strongest rebounding wings um so that's probably the biggest like on court uh concern that I would have is that some of their best lineups are a little weak on the glass um but yeah I think it's more going to be this softer stuff of, of how do they manage it over 82 games where they've been so stable for 82 games and now they need to get out of that comfort zone not only with the roster turnover and the coaching change but in how they're going to approach this year um and i realize that's a kind of a weird answer because it's also intangible but i think especially with the way the raptors seasons have gone the last couple years you kind of have to do have to you kind of do have to dig in the intangible because you know everything has worked so well in the regular season and clicked and then you know it, it doesn't work come playoff time so you kind of have to kind of have to peek and try to try to glean from these smaller things um you know how they respond to adversity and, and things like that uh which is weird because that's a super hard to to analyze from outside and it's gonna look good when things are going great and then you know you don't you only know chemistry by its absence really so um it's kind of a, a weird spot to be in in terms of evaluating the big questions they face yeah i think maybe the other question that, that i have and these are somewhat interrelated is you know can they just replace DeRozan's usage i mean this was the number two yeah. offense in the NBA last year but Kawhi actually I mean DeRozan was 29.6 usage last year a little bit lower than it had been in his last healthy year Kawhi was 31 uh and uh 26 the year before that uh but you know he was uh if he get, is back at that level then I think I don't think they really have many problems there I think you, know, you might look at passing as potentially a little bit of a weakness on this team um you know Lowry is solid passer but you know he's not really getting the level of penetration to draw the defense and set guys up the way he might have earlier in his career uh you know people have raved a lot about siakam's passing but you know is he your second best passer on the team van vliet, <laughs> yeah we need to see right, a bit or, more of that okay yeah and maybe van vliet is the solution there you know especially getting them to play more in transition to you mm-hmm. know pushing the pace i think like between leonard and larry they're probably not really guys who are going to push the ball as much as maybe nurse might like and the, the beauty of van vliet is you know he's not going to finish at the rim but he is a good pick and roll operator he can get penetration nash 
under the rim mm-hmm. try to find guys and then in contrast to when you had DeRozan before you've got Lowry and Leonard are both excellent off-ball players as well from a shooting standpoint uh so maybe that would be a thought on why Van Vliet might play a little bit more to give just but overall playmaking and you know they might just be still a little bit light on playmakers and decision makers and then you also would wonder you know where the shooting of Ananobi and uh Siakam you know that's another thing like Ananobi shot great but a lot of that was from the corners uh didn't shoot it amazingly well in summer league and you know it's not really a natural shooter you know when he was shooting 44 percent for half the year you knew that that was a, a little bit of fool's gold and he didn't have a ton of buy I mean his usage was only 13 percent last year I mean you you go down this list and there's a lot of guys who are really below average usage and so Kawhi if he's healthy can fill a lot of that but you, you know you do wonder if especially if they really put the pressure on Kawhi and Lowry at the end of games in the playoffs are these other guys gonna be able to step up to some degree yeah it's almost a 2015-16 Raptors problem it's uh you know if they're gonna trap and get the ball out of their hands is there are there enough guys that can put it on the floor attack a closeout make the next right play um and you know again they're saying the right things and they're trying that stuff in the preseason and Greg Monroe is maybe a guy who can help um but obviously I, I don't think he's gonna play big closing minutes or heavy minutes in a playoff series um they're trying to extend Valanciunas and Ibaka's utility there Miles and Green are not really guys that you want you know creating for themselves or others very much uh, Miles looks pretty bouncy to start this year uh, at least relative to last year where he was kind of slow to get going and never got out of it but you know neither of those guys you really want operating in the pick and roll or anything like that so I am I am with you and, and you know I think having three point guards helps that DeLon Wright isn't the the shooter that Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry are but you know creatively and in terms of finding that second guard when they're playing two guards um, and, and you mentioned the transition game hit, hit the rate at which he helped force live ball turnovers last year uh, relative to pretty much anyone else that was driving that stat on the team was pretty extreme so um, you know he, he'll help in that regard as well so I'm with you that that's probably that's probably a weakness uh, if we're putting kind of a, a cap on what we expect from Siakam's growth in, in that role particularly in the half court um, so yeah between that and rebounding um, I think usage wise you'll probably they'll probably be able to, to figure it out Le- Leonard's going to take a lot of that it looks like and then Lowry's yeah. usage was you know Lowry's usage could come back up he was around 20 percent last year so that could come back up as well you know I, I think so much of it gets back to Leonard here I mean I think even if not all of these pieces that they have have great seasons I think they have enough guys that you know, they're going to be able to get some really good five-man units out there on the floor but you know is Kawhi Leonard you know I was talking to an executive the other day said you know when we were thinking about maybe trying to acquire him that you know we kind of had projected him as a top 15 player in the league this year instead of top five the way he was uh and you know maybe that's a little bit of a step back on defense but even more importantly to me you know we talked about this idea of the decision making and you know could they deal with double teams if those happen well you know we're talking about double teaming on the pick and roll 35 feet from the basket right that's what they struggle yeah. to deal with uh if you're talking about you know Kawhi Leonard doesn't need a screen he at his best he's able to just go and bully guys in the post and I, you know Greg Popovich wouldn't usually do like kind of the small small pick and roll stuff to get a matchup for him uh but if Nurse decides to go that route as well uh you know I think that can be really effective but you know is Kawhi gonna be a guy who can just kind of create shots or is he gonna really be able to bully guys and be unstoppable and be that 30 percent usage 61 percent true shooting guy that he was two years ago on a Spurs team that had far less spacing uh and far less of a modern offensive approach than I anticipate this Raptors team going to I mean if he's 100 percent like he could just have a monster year uh, yeah. but he's gonna have 
have to be 100 percent. yeah like i'm i'm trying to be reasonable about this all, all of this and temper my expectations but yeah i went back and watched a lot of Kawhi leonard from 2015-16 and 2016-17 this summer and he is like i don't know if it was the injury or the drama or what but he was really good and people kind of seem to have not forgotten it but you know you mentioned that it, well what if he's top 15 instead of top five for those two seasons he was maybe top two top three yeah um it's really exciting to, to think on what you know what the hundredth percentile or even 80th percentile outcome looks like for the raptors here uh, at both ends of the floor you know more reasonably okay what if leonard's 85 to 90 percent of what he was before that's still you know that probably puts him as the second best player in the east behind Giannis instead of the best player in the east um but you know he's still he's still right there and the raptors figure to have the best player in most playoff series which is something that they've almost never had during this run so um it's really exciting and to think you know you obviously can't let yourself assume that leonard is going to be 100 percent of leonard uh but it is it's certainly fun to think about as someone who's going to get to watch him for 82 games and watch closely how he operates uh on both ends of the floor for this team to me it, the concern is more with the chronic nature of this injury how is he going to be in january is this going to flare up again because you know it seems like the type of thing where you know there wasn't necessarily an acute injury you know some people went back to like a thigh bruise that he had but you know it was it's a chronic condition and you know does it get aggravated by the usage as opposed to all right he's just not back i'm more concerned about you know how many games is he going to be able to play are they going to have to manage it is it just the type of thing where okay it was great you know you you mentioned he hadn't played five on five since january you know it it was great while he was ramping up his workouts and not really putting stress on it in in game conditions but now that he's out there is it going to kind of start to bother him again you know because he didn't have like a surgery to fix it necessarily it was just a ton of rehab and you know hopefully that works for him but you wonder a little bit about you know what is his kind of longevity going to be this season uh and i assume they're going to be very careful managing him on back-to-backs you know they have so many other backups for him and you know they've tried they've pushed really hard in previous seasons to get home court and you know that doesn't seem to help them that much in the playoffs for whatever reason so i I do think they'll kind of be taking it a little easier and you know just trust in their bench to be really good as i think it will be and as it has been um any other big strengths or weaknesses pop out to you that we haven't talked about yet no not necessarily and just to your point about leonard yeah we talked about the the raptors depth especially on the wing so much and um you know i think i think it probably is going to help in that regard that the raptors already started trying to transition to a more long-term focused minute management uh last year where derozan's minutes were down to um the lowest they've been since he was a rookie lowry's minutes were down into the low 30s uh you look at leonard he's never played more than 74 games and he's never averaged more than 33 minutes um so you know the raptors are going to be able to manage that pretty well and i don't think it'll be you know you worry sometimes with a superstar okay well is he going to be cool playing only 32 minutes and taking 10 nights off on back-to-backs to rest um leonard's always kind of played at that kind of a workload so i hope i hope that works out in that in that regard uh the only other thing that i i think you know is an interesting subplot and it's kind of a i don't know if it's one that'll come up but the raptors are deep deep into the tax and i do wonder a little bit if at some point during the season you know if norman powell or cj miles look expendable but still have trade value you know do they flip them off for another big or or another guy who can play four or five um and maybe makes a little bit less that's like a that's a smaller consideration because if they're making the finals mlse has deep enough pockets that they won't care about that tax bill uh, but it is kind of something that before the leonard 
Leonard trade, it certainly looked like they were going to try to shed salary. And I wonder, I wonder a little bit if that has any impact on rotation decisions and, and you know, extending it to 11 or 12 early to see what Norman Powell has or to let him push CJ Miles for that role or, or something like that. That's the only really kind of not even a B plot, like kind of a C plot that, that might play out between now and February because I don't think they're, I don't think they're in a position to make anything, any too splashy a move. They made their splashy move. They got Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly there's been a willingness to trade future picks for this team, although they are encumbered mm-hmm. now to where the first one they could trade would be 2021 since they got that uh, 19 pick uh, that went to the Spurs in the Leonard trade. Uh, yeah. And I think they would love to move Powell, you know, making nine points three this year uh but he is uh you know four years 42 million he got that josh richardson uh, extension i think he could help a team but you know the only team that has the space to just straight up absorb him right now is the kings and they've got a billion two guards i don't know that they necessarily would be interested in him uh so i i think uh maybe what we need to talk about more with this team we haven't even maybe hit on enough is just i think this team's defense is gonna be unbelievable i mean if you just go down the roster you have a a few great defenders so you know and it'll be has the potential to be great green has been great in the past uh you, you've got Kawhi, obviously who is absolutely fantastic siakam you know maybe can't defend lebron james one-on-one but he, <laughs> he's been excellent as well ibaka i think can be a quality defensive center i mean really your only guys in the rotation who don't project to be at least solid defensively are cj miles and valanchunas and then maybe monroe to the extent that he plays so i mean they can just put especially at the end of games that they're switching i think and there aren't a ton of just amazing one-on-one creators in the east too i I think this team could just be an absolute monster i mean i would be surprised i I mean i almost guarantee they'll be a top five defense i'd be surprised if they weren't top three and maybe even you know right up there with boston utah and philly i mean and then toronto i think those are pretty clearly to me the four best regular season defenses in the nba this year yeah i would agree with that completely and you know i probably maybe utah has the edge heading in but yeah those top three teams in the east are going to be really good defensively and you mentioned you know the east not having a lot of you know super unique creators well the two guys you'd probably worry about are um Embiid and Giannis and not yeah. that there is such I think thing Irving as, you could put in that category yeah too. that's true that's true um and you know Irving maybe the play is to throw size at him um which the Raptors can do with a lot of switchability I'm, I'm not sh- I'm not sure if there's a good answer for Kyrie Irving uh, but Giannis you know there's no such thing as a Giannis stopper like there's no LeBron stopper but you have the one guy who would theoretically stand the best chance to slow them down and Kawhi Leonard and then a couple other guys you can throw at them um, and then Embiid you know Embiid really had Valanciunas's number in the regular season last year uh, and I I think he'd maybe bully Ibaka but I don't you know I think they would they would match up okay and if you look ahead which the Raptors are surely doing to playoff series with Philly and or Boston uh, the fact that they can play both kind of ways I, I think and, and still project this pretty good defensively um, has to be pretty encouraging for them because you know like you said there there are almost no bad defenders in the rotation and it would be hard to come up with a fivesome that could realistically play that wouldn't at least be solid on that end Um, and then you can mix and match pieces for Boston or Philly or you know in the event another team takes a step in the east Um, but I think those are the two big ones that the Raptors are probably focused on and worried about and I think that's part of why they'll change the starting lineups up a little bit in their closing lineups to see you know obviously you only get to play those times those teams four four times each but to see how different um, groups that might work against an M 
Embiid Simmons look, uh, you know, especially with, if Philly throws size with Covington and Sarge with those guys, um, or a Boston look where Horford's at the five and, and they're a little smaller and, and wing heavy like the Raptors. Um, they're going to experiment with a lot of that. And it's, man, the, the Atlantic division on a serious come up now. Where it's yeah, the it Atlantic used division, to suck. Yeah, it's the Atlantic, Atlantic division, division just and was the rest terrible of the for a long time. Well, don't worry. The East still has uh, the Central and the Southeast division. The Southeast division is just a graveyard. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, uh, and it's not even that like there's that many terrible teams i mean there's probably could be three playoff teams out of the southeast but just like overall it's like hopeless franchises <laughs> you know just have no chance of winning an nba championship anytime soon in the southeast but uh that is not the point of this podcast <laughs> so uh we'll do predictions here with blake right after this you must love hoops if you're enjoying another great episode of dunked on the locked on podcast network has more hoops for you Locked On has a podcast on every NBA team. If you're a Lakers fan, a Bucks fan, a Celtics fan, or a Mavericks fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily podcast on your favorite team. All 30 NBA teams have a daily podcast at Locked On. Search on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me your predicted regular season record and predicted postseason finish for the Toronto Raptors. Oh, okay. I'm going to say uh, 57 regular season wins. Uh, that probably, I might be assuming too much health for Kawhi Leonard with that with that number. Um, but, you know, we, we just talked about how good their defense figures to be. Um, they have depth in the event of a non-major injury to, to one of their two stars. Um, you know, especially if, if Lowry needs to sit game. Or, or they need to rest guys on back-to-back. They have the depth to do that kind of stuff. Um, I think their over-under is at 45, 54.5 or 55.5. Um, I like them to hit that a little bit. Uh, late in the year, they have a very easy schedule too. So if they you know, if they rest guys down the stretch, they should still be able to, to win a lot of games late and kind of pad that number. Uh, playoffs, I'm very confident in saying they're going to the conference finals. Uh, with how you know Philly kind of looms as a threat, but with how good Boston projects to be, I'm not willing to call that more than, you know, kind of a coin flip. And it, it might even be weighted toward Boston right now. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of Raptors people listening to this podcast. So I'm going to say they go to the NBA finals. Um, but I think it's really, it's going to be really, really close between between them and Boston. And I think Boston has probably a regular season edge and, and ends up with home court if that series goes down. Um, but yeah, I think 57 wins and, and a pretty good shot at at least going to the conference finals and maybe making the first finals in, in franchise history. I'm still really torn between them and Boston I, I will give my final pick of who I expect to make the NBA finals uh, on our season preview show which will be next week but I am going to pick them for 58 wins and Whoa, I think, I think this be... is the first time you've ever gone higher than me that's possible I mean but you know and we've kind of alternated who is who is right uh although I mean <laughs> they've, they've exceeded expectations I think every year so maybe you've always been right uh yeah I think at, I I think I shot this. let me see yeah I oh, no, last last year oh shoot I didn't write it down last... oh wait no no hold on that's best case worst case let me see what we had last year I really uh, shot them last year yeah well I, I mean we we all did to be sure <laughs> uh so last year hold on a second here I'm still like stuck on this year uh you had them for 48 wins and I had them for 46. Oops. And uh, your best case scenario was 55. <laughs> <laughs> and mine and mine was 53 so uh yeah we were uh we were not correct uh yeah, last well, year although we probably would have been correct in terms of their playoff uh fate 
Yeah, they certainly played like a like a high forties win team come playoff time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that's uh, how about this year? I mean, be- best case scenario for me is you know probably sixty three wins. Like I, I think it could they could just be you know I mean there were you know people have been talking about this with the spurs of like oh you know look at how they were last year and then they added DeRozan to this team well actually they're not the same team especially with this DeJounte Murray news uh but the Raptors that analysis actually works a lot better for them uh to the hey you know they won 59 with DeRozan last year and you know Pirtle is good but I don't think they're gonna miss him too much uh due to the depth that they have uh and now they replaced uh DeRozan who's you know maybe the 20th best player in the league with Kawhi who could be you know maybe even the best player in the league I I picked him for MVP before for his injury concerns surfaced last year so i mean this could to me be you know easily a top five offense and defense in the nba yeah and Absolutely. i think the best the best case scenario for them not only includes low to mid 60s wins it also probably includes a Kawhi leonard mvp and i know you you can't assume that he's going to be back to that level but if he's somewhere close to it it's really not hard to squint and see where durant and curry cannibalize each other's votes the lakers aren't that good Giannis doesn't quite take the leap and, and Kawhi is the favorite for mvp um, which, you know, if you're the Raptors probably don't have a chance to win the NBA championship. So if you're talking best case scenarios, it probably also includes uh, making a really strong basketball case for retaining Leonard. And I think him being in the MVP discussion and the team making a finals run would go uh, a long way to making like to selling the basketball case for, for Leonard to stay. And I think, you know, obviously they'd love to go to the finals and win as many games as possible uh, longer term in terms of this franchise's chances of, of winning a championship in the next few years, retain Leonard would be a big part of that so uh, the better the the closer they can come to the regular season best case scenario uh, particularly with Leonard's own individual performance and happiness is uh it probably shoots their their longer term projection higher too I disagree with you I think they actually could win the championship uh really more so because uh, I, I people are just are you saying that just because you think Golden State's invincible yeah I mean yeah I guess it, their injuries happen and things like that but it yeah it's it's hard to it's hard for me to picture a scenario where Golden State is in a heavy favorite in, in an NBA Finals matchup. Yeah, if they get there. I mean, I, I, I don't think, you know, during the regular season, I think they could have kind of a rough time of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they just have a lot of structural weaknesses of it. But a, a lot of it just comes, like, Draymond Green has this knee soreness early on. You know, his, his aging, I think, is going to be a key variable for them. If Can he turn it up defensively in the playoffs? I mean, I think Golden State would be a favorite against the Raptors. But I think, you know, they, they definitely could have some injury concerns. You know, if Durant or Curry or Green, you know i don't think thompson is necessarily uh candidate for this but you know any of those guys could take a little bit of a step back they don't have a ton of depth andre guadala we saw them struggle without him you know maybe he just won't be healthy you know so so i think there are definitely plenty i agree totally healthy you know everyone playing at the same level as last year sure they're a massive favorite but uh you know i I think people are treating that as much more of a given than i would be and you know so so take that for all of you who are like oh you live in the bay area uh but so yeah now i'm now uh, i'm even more excited because you know you have to you have well, to temper your own expectations a little bit and like i don't know i would love i would love to be uh for you to yeah. be for that to be accurate and me to get to spend some time in the in the bay area in june and, and find out yeah yeah well uh i'll take you to some good restaurants um so yeah i, I think you know so best case you're thinking you know kind of low 60s and wins as well yeah and i think the best case includes Kawhi leonard winning an mvp which uh you know is is maybe not the the be all 
all and end all in terms of recruiting him to stay but it, it probably doesn't hurt yeah no I, I, and most of the other places that he's going to go yeah maybe the clippers he would probably still be the best guy but uh, you know if he goes to the lakers that seems unlikely worst case i mean i think for this one usually i say oh well you know don't assume that somebody misses a ton of time but Kawhi leonard played nine games last season yeah and so i think you know when you build in a, a realistic worst case scenario him not playing a, a lot of games uh is certainly you know i could see him missing half the year very easily that is part of this scenario to me now even without DeRozan and with all these other guys like a lot of times they didn't miss a beat uh I think that you know some the stat heads might go a little bit too far sometimes in dismissing DeRozan's impact yeah uh, that's you know, a lot of just, possessions yeah. to just assume yeah. you can give yeah. one here and one there at the same efficiency but yeah I still and, think and it's worth be, noting too solid. Uh, yeah a, a lot of teams too you know you say DeRozan struggled to score against the best defenses well a lot of teams just didn't have an answer for DeMar DeRozan you know that's I mean that, like that's something that uh you know and he would get to the foul line with all of his tricks against young guys and and that kind of stuff ask poor Chris Middleton (laughs) yeah yeah so so I think uh you know I'd probably have like call it 45 is the worst case scenario uh but i mean i still think they're gonna really defend though so yeah maybe even maybe even i would say 47 yeah 45 is the number i had in my head probably just because it's a round number um (laughs) it's uh it's it's a yeah and we know how accurate these projections are yes yes this is all very scientific every possible realistic scenario is encompassed in these best case worst case i just ran one uh, simulation in my head it's been over 45 wins yeah but yeah i I, I think uh, the point there is that like even in the worst case scenario the raptors are still a playoff team that defends really well oh yeah uh they just maybe struggle with that individual offense creation yeah i mean it would take really almost three big injuries i think for them to really you know just start to fall down to like you know a 500 team or so yeah um well all right this was awesome uh let everyone know where they can keep up with your work before we go uh my work will only be at the athletic toronto this year and you can find me on twitter at blake murphy odc uh, and that's pretty much it usually i have a lot more stuff to plug but this year is going to be a little different yeah it's nice uh that things are a little simpler for you um yeah and uh, we'll have to do another pod uh at some point what are you doing podcast wise these days uh so eric kareen and i have one at the athletic um that is roughly once a week and then i'll still i'll still hop on the old raptors republic podcast every so often with, with william Liu and um catch up there all right well uh i'm be glad to return the favor with uh, my own guest appearance although inviting yourself onto someone's podcast is uh, is bad etiquette by the way no i would love to have you especially who's listening but um yeah especially as we near a uh you know whenever the the raptors overlap with the Warriors. i forget when on the schedule the, the warriors games are but um, oh man those are gonna be massive games i really hope Kawhi is healthy and the warriors guys are healthy for those games uh because even if we don't see it in the finals it, it would just be a fascinating regular season yeah there. and they've played such fun games against each other the last couple years the Warriors always win but uh you know they're usually like five six point games uh, so it should be a lot of fun all right man well thanks again for doing this and uh, looking forward to uh the start of the season thanks so much for having me on Nate Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 